Okay, hello and welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about trusting our gut and the process for doing that and also looking at the 10,000-hour rule and some some new data uh, along the lines of the 10,000-hour rule. And maybe it doesn't take 10,000 hours to master something, and maybe it's okay not to become the best of the best because sometimes that's more dependent upon genetics. Actually, most of the time it is more dependent upon genetics. So, all right, this morning I was thinking about Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he's an author. He's written a, a bunch of different books. He used, he's also used to be a writer, maybe still is a writer sometimes for, for the New Yorker. And the two books that I've read by him that I really liked that I think give me as a coach some insight into becoming a better coach and making better decisions are uh, Blink and Outliers. And I read those both a couple of years ago. And then I was looking on the internet uh, for some commentaries about these different, these different books. And I will uh, put the links uh, to these articles in the show notes. Uh, one is by Wired Magazine. It talks about the book Blink. And then we'll get into the 10,000 hour rule. Uh, that was the article was done by Vox. And that article uh, is titled the 10,000 hour rule was debunked. Again, that's a relief. So there's obviously some people that, you know, disagree with what uh, Mr. Gladwell uh, wrote, but I think it's good to see both sides, right? Because uh, us as coaches, we want to think that if we just put in more time, more effort, that we can get to this pinnacle of success. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think there are some other factors that come into play there. But the first article we'll look at is an article by Daniel uh, Turdeman, and he, the title of his article is "It Pays to Trust Your Gut." And this article on Wire, this was written in 2005, I think. Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, 2005. Talks about how it does pay to trust your gut. And, man, I think as a coach, that's something we need to hear. That if we put in the time and we have the expertise that we need to trust what, what we see and what we feel. Because that is going to help us make the best decisions possible for our football program, right? For our classroom, maybe our business, whatever it is that we have for our family life, <clears throat> those types of things, because sometimes we, we overanalyze and I'll give an example from, from myself. Uh, at the end of the season this year, I was talking to our coaching staff and I was giving, uh, just advice about, hey, the off season, uh, during the, the beginning part of the off season, I should say, let's let's not make any big changes to scheme. Let's just let the season simmer. Uh, let's let it mellow out. And of course, I did not listen to my own advice uh, and was thinking about making some significant changes on, you know, especially the offensive side of the ball. Uh, nothing revolutionary but hey maybe some new things and then I, about a week week or two ago I 
came the realization of my gut was telling me, man, let's just press into what we've been doing, right? Let's press into what we taught this past year. Let's press into what has worked for us, uh, what we decided would work for us last year. And not that you can't tweak or make, <clears throat> make small adjustments, but I was just really convicted to, hey, let's just stay the course here. Right. Let's not let's not try to do something that, you know, I don't completely understand or I don't comp completely have a grasp of something that's not mine. Uh, let's just press into to what we've been good at and what we're going to continue to be good at. And, yeah, that's given me a lot of peace of mind going forward this offseason. And I should have trusted my gut back in November. My gut was telling me man, just press into this. And this was before our last game, and we had our best offensive performance our last game. It wasn't even close. Uh, we executed plays that we had not executed well all year, and we executed them really well uh, that, that, last, that last game. And it just cemented in my mind, man, trust your gut. <laughs> like, just trust, trust what you feel. Trust what you know. <clears throat> Especially, guys, you know, as a high school coach, we are – we are at the mercy of our roster. We are at the mercy of what is in our, our hallway. So we have to know what is in our hallway and evaluate that and then trust that evaluation because you as a coach, and especially if you're a teacher at your school, you see those guys every day and girls, right? We had a female kicker this past year. She was awesome, did a great job for us. So trust that evaluation, trust your gut, trust what that's telling you. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. But know how you want to attack it. And I'm really talking to guys who who plan scheme here, head coaches, coordinators. Maybe in some programs, position coaches have a lot of say in that. That's cool, too. That's awesome. But trust what you think, what you see, and go with it. I remember this was years ago. <clears throat> there was a guy that – became a deep as a coordinator at the collegiate level. And he was a position coach prior to that. He had been elevated at a, at a certain school. And he was talking to the guy who was his head coach. And his head coach asked him to completely redo the defense. So meaning don't just copy and paste something from somebody else. He told the coordinator, I need you to create your own documents and put it in your terms what do you like how does it fit for you because as a play caller on offense and or defense or special teams you have to know what the fix is when things are going wrong and if it's not yours you haven't created it then that's really hard to do and I don't know that you can trust your gut if it's if it's not your creation because that's not yours right so but if it's yours, then you can trust your gut because you know if this is if I'm having trouble with this, then I can fix it by doing that because that is your baby, right? That is something that you have spent the time creating. And maybe you have hit the 10,000-hour mark, right, for, for mastery, which is what Malcolm Gladwell talked about in his book, Outliers. And maybe that's something that, yeah, it works for you. Some people don't need 10,000 hours. Some people, that's not, that's not the case. So let's start with trusting your gut 
<clears throat> in the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and I'm a lot of these quotes that I wrote down, I'm referencing the article. Where's that? It pays to trust your gut by Wired. Again, I'll put the, a link to this in the show notes. <clears throat> Man, I gotta get some coffee. This morning, the throat's a little, a little dry. So he talks about in this article, we make our best decisions in in seconds. And he talks about in the article referencing the book Blink <clears throat> that we as humans have evolved the the need to make life-changing decisions in seconds. So, you know, if we're being uh, he's in the book, it uses the example of you're in a dark alley and something's happening and you're you know, you're not sure what's going on and your brain is making rapid fire decisions to keep you alive in that that scenario. And man, that that rings so true to me at least because as a football coach, as a teacher, you can spend, I can spend copious amounts of time researching things. Oh my gosh. I mean, you can research until you're blue in the face. You can research so much you don't coach or you don't teach. So yeah, uh, I, this, this resonates with me. When I read the book Blink years ago, it really resonated with me that, man, if we have put in the necessary time, then there's just something inside us that knows what decision to make. And in the book, it gives a, an example of a piece of artwork that was for sale, um, the Koros, and the uh, Los Angeles Getty Museum bought it for, oh man, I gave the seller $10 million, right? Um, well, the museum bought it for $10 million. And this this one uh, guy walked walked by the Kuros, which is a, um, what is it? It's, a, it's like a, it's a Greek statue. And he said, uh, I'm sorry to hear that you bought it, basically, because he knew it was a fake. Now, how did he know? Because he had all kinds of experience looking at those types of things. The museum has spent all kinds of money evaluating this this Greek um, piece of art, and none of the tests came back saying that it was a fake. But this person who was an expert in that field knew that it was a fake just by glimpsing at it and he couldn't even say why he just knew it was fake and ended up being being fake and I'm, I'm reading from the article uh quote we live in a world that assumes that the quality of a decision is directly related to the time and effort that went into making it he writes and what do we tell our children haste makes waste look before you leap stop and think don't judge a book by its cover end quote and then in the book, Malcolm Gladwell argues that thin slicing, and I'm quoting here, quote, thin slicing is precisely the kind of thinking that evolutionary speaking has kept us alive, end quote. And that refers back to, to what I talked about earlier in the podcast, that, man, we're walking down the street, there's a loud noise, something happens, we're trying to, we can make uh, quick decisions uh, that can maybe affect, are we, you know, alive or are we dead? And, man, that speaks to me uh, because I know for me in the off season, I get lost in 
all this data. I think a lot of coaches do. I, I get emails all the time from Glazier Clinic about, uh, hey, sign up for this clinic, go watch this, go do that. And golly, we can just get lost in all that, can't we? We can get lost in that data. And it's good to have it. It's great to be able to lean into that and to be able to draw from that. But sometimes that can be that can be overwhelming. Because uh, us as human beings, we do not require a great deal of data or time to make important and valid life decisions. We really don't. I think when your gut tells you, hey, this is what needs to be done, let's go do it. Uh, now, caveat to that. Let's say somebody hasn't coached very much football. Let's say they put in no time, uh, watched no film, haven't coached at all. I think that person probably shouldn't trust their gut. And the book Blink re refers to that in a couple stories, uh, that if you haven't put in the time, you're inexperienced, that you need to take some time and grow your experience and learn about your profession, right? As a coach, as a head coach, I see this happening around the country in different from different people I talk to. <clears throat> Guys come in and, inst and instantly want to call plays or instantly want to have a title. And they haven't put in the work necessary. And I think we have to put in the work. You have to watch the tapes. You have to get some experience coaching. Uh, because playing is far different than coaching. Playing is almost all instinct. That's God-given ability. Coaching is something that definitely can and should be learned as we become better coaches and the best players don't always make the best coaches. And that usually, that usually is the case. Usually the best coaches are guys that had to really work as players and put in the time to understand the game so they could play. I know for me as a, as a player, I didn't start in college till I was a senior and I had to put in so much time and effort to do that. And I think it's helped me as a coach because that work ethic, that film study, that preparation has helped me go through the, the grind, so to speak, as a coach to try to really understand what is going on in the game, in the game of football. And that leads me to the 10,000 hour rule, which Malcolm Gladwell made famous in his book outliers. And, uh, the, the article that I'll, I wrote some notes down from is called the 10,000 hour rule was debunked again. That's a relief. Now, I'm never going to agree with practice doesn't help people, right? Especially things that are co cognitive. So as a coach, I think the 10,000 hour rule definitely can't apply. So it's cognitive. It's something we can work on. Can we have great process? Can we have a great process? Can we develop a great scheme to fit our players because we've researched and we understand? Sure. Absolutely. Yes. However, the results that we get as coaches, I don't think the 10,000-hour rule applies because that is largely dependent upon who is on your roster. And I, I was listening to Kirby Smart talk this past football season, and he, he said, and I'm, I'm not quoting him, but he said something to the effect of, you cannot outcoach your recruiting class. And – 
if you can't recruit, you're in high school, then you don't even have a recruiting class. So you have to coach what you have. And not everybody can go 12 and 0 or 10 and 0 or whatever your your state's uh <laughs> how many games you play in your state? 14, 15, whatever that is. And yeah, we have to take what we have and make it the best that we can make it. And I think the 10,000 hour rule applies in that that we continue to press in and find the best ways to coach, but the results you get on a Friday night or Saturday night or Thursday night, whatever night you play or during the day. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, the dudes on the other team definitely have something to do with that. Cause because football is a player's game. It really is. I mean, look at the Rams. They won the Super Bowl because they made a bunch of deals and got the guys to, to win. Sean McVay has been a great coach for a long time, but he finally had the quarterback to go win the Super Bowl. And yeah, that's what it takes. It's a, it's a player's, it's a player's, <clears throat> it's a player's game. And I was thinking about that. This article was talking about practice time and practice can make a difference. I was looking at some different, some data in this article and it says that <clears throat> practice can make an 18% difference in an athletic conference, uh, athletic um, competition. There you go. Athletic competition, which is a difference, but it's not a, it's not a huge difference, right? Uh, so let's see, let me read it here. More precise quote, more precisely, the anal an analysis found practice can account for 18% of the difference in athletic success. Uh, put another way, if we compare batting averages between two baseball players, the amount of time the player spent in the batting cage would only account for 18% of the reason one player's average is better than the other, end quote. So does it make a difference? Sure. Is it a huge difference? No, because a lot of, a lot of what matters in athletic competitions is natural ability, right? What is, what is given to the player? Now, I think in high school, the weight room can play a big, a bigger difference than 18%. I think if you develop your team through the weight room, through your conditioning program, and they're bigger, faster, stronger, then that can play a far bigger percentage than 18%. Talking about baseball and a very skilled sport, the article was talking about that, the 18% um, with you know hitting, hitting a baseball batting average. Yeah, that's probably more genetic, right? The, the ability to hit a, a moving object with a round object. But a sport like football, I think that can definitely be developed. The skill can be more developed in the weight room, off-season program, how you practice. Because it's, football is a, a skilled sport, but it's not as, <clears throat> not as finely tuned as a sport like baseball, right? So I think that has something that's very interesting to read because I think is – as a player, I thought if I just work harder, then I can just be better. I can just be really good because I can outwork people. Well, there's a uh, genetic ceiling and a genetic basement, I think, to performance on a field. Because, yes, you can lift and run the weight room and get <clears throat> get your body right and all those things. But at the end of the day, the God-given talent is is there, right? It's either it is or it is not. So – I used to hear people say to me when I was a kid, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, I want to be Michael Jordan, <laughs> but uh, I can't be Michael Jordan. I, I was not, that was not in the genetic lottery for me. So we have to take what we've been given and then maximize it. And I think the 10,000 hour rule is 
is helpful in that. I don't think we should stress out over have I hit 10,000 hours or should we stress out because we're not the best of the best. Our team isn't going 14 and 0 every year. I think our, our mindset should just be we, we're trying to be the best we can. And that's going to look however it looks. And, you know, we have to free, we have to free ourselves from the expectation that we're going to be the best and we're always going to be the best. Or we, we have to strive every day to be better than the best team in your state. Yeah, I mean, we can. We can work hard, right? We can work hard. We can work smart. But know that not every team's going to go 14 and 0. Not every team's going to win their conference championship. Now, should we try to get the most out of our players? Absolutely. Amen. Yes. But man, take that weight off your shoulders, you know, that we have to be the best. Because there's only going to be one team that's the best. And only one team's going to win the last game of the season every year. Now, you can win the last game of the season if, if it's in the regular season, you're not going to the playoffs. But let's say you go to the playoffs, only one team's going to win that final game. And I think as a coach, what I'm finding the longer I coach is let's enjoy the process. I had a coach tell me at the end of this football season that this is the most fun he's had coaching football. And I think that really is should be our that really should be one of our goals is was this enjoyable? Do we have fun? Now, is it work? Yeah. It is definitely work. And we all need to improve. We all need to put in the time to improve. But we also need to understand what are realistic expectations. And to not beat ourselves up when sometimes we fail, because that's going to happen. Life is about failing and learning and moving forward. So I hope that helped. Uh, I was reading those articles today and I thought, man, I should just put this podcast out there. Maybe there's somebody who's struggling today uh, with expectations for next season and thinking to themselves, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't beat the team I want to beat or something, or I can't get to the spot in the playoffs I want to get to. Man, just, just do the best you can, right? Just put in the, put in the work. Trust your gut and just let it rip and let the results be what they may. So thank you all for listening.